In the 16th century, a man with a gold hooped earring and a little goatee picked up a quill and wrote some of the finest sonnets the world has ever seen. Five hundred, six hundred, five hundred years later, a man with nothing better to do sits down with a microphone and tries to work out what the hell that bloke was going on about. Welcome to the final couplet. final couplet with me, Theo Cowan. How are you doing? Had a good week? Oh good, I am glad that you're having a nice week. If you answered that you weren't having a nice week in that in that pause that I left, then I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry that you're not having a good week and I hope it gets better. Now today, of course, we're going to be looking at another one of Shakespeare's sonnets. We're on sonnet 43. We're flying through these. That's 43 episodes of sonnets, having a look at them, creating stories around them. And I think we've had a good time along the way. We've had Shakespeare trying to convince his hot friend who he probably loves to have kids. We've had love triangles. We've had lots of heartbreak and lots of Love as well, I'd say. It's really, it's taken a lot of ups and downs, hasn't it, this journey so far. We've come a long way from those first 18 sonnets where he was trying to convince his hot friend to have kids. And honestly, during that period, I thought, let's not do this because these are just all the same. But boy, did they get better. Now, the last few sonnets have been about this sort of love triangle between Shakespeare, his mistress, and his best mate. He seems to love his best mate. It's more than just a friendship, I think. And his best mate has been sleeping with his mistress. And Shakespeare is rightfully a little bit pissed off about that, but has been phrasing it in quite a gentle way in his sonnets, I'd say. He hasn't been particularly angry about it. And the last one, he said, actually, it's fine because... Me and you, mate, are the same person. So she hasn't been having an affair. She's just been with me the whole time, which is really stretching the imagination, isn't it? Let's dive into Sonnet 43 and see if it continues on the same theme. When most I wink, then do mine eyes best see, for all the day they view things unrespected. But when I sleep, in dreams they look on thee, and, darkly bright, are bright in dark directed. Then thou, whose shadow shadows doth make bright, how would thy shadows form, form happy show to the clear day with thy much clearer light, when to unseeing eyes thy shade shines so? How would, I say, mine eyes be blessed made by looking on thee in the living day, when in dead night Thy fair imperfect shade through heavy sleep on sightless eyes doth stay. All days are nights to see till I see thee, and nights bright days when dreams do show thee me. Well, we're certainly not in the love triangle sonnets now, are we? Which actually 
complements my theory that there are only three sonnets about the love triangle. How many points does a triangle have? Three. So there you go. Shakespeare is very clever there. And I've picked up on it, which makes me just as clever as Shakespeare. Now, instantly, I know this isn't going to be one of my favourite sonnets. I'm sorry. I didn't enjoy it that much. It took me a few takes to actually read it out loud because I got confused. And, you know, where's the drama? We've had this amazing trilogy of sonnets about love affairs. And now we're sort of talking about Shakespeare dreaming about his love and not being able to see him and how bright his love is in his dreams. Anyway, I won't slag it off too much before we've jumped in and worked out what the hell Shakespeare was going on about line by line. When most I wink, then do mine eyes best see, for all the day thy view things unrespected. So here he's saying, when most I wink, which is when I'm asleep, for some reason, well, I guess we say now, uh, catch a wink, which is sleep. So I think this means the same. So when I'm asleep, that's when my eyes see the best. So it sounds like he's talking about dreaming here. For all the day, they view things unrespected. So during the day, his eyes are just viewing a load of crap that he doesn't respect. But at night, he sees some things that he really does respect. We're about to find out what. But when I sleep, in dreams they look on thee. And, darkly bright, are bright in dark directed. Now this is a wordy couple of lines. But I think the general gist is, he's saying when I'm asleep, my dreaming eyes see you shining brightly in the darkness. You, I imagine, of course, is the uh, recipient of the poem. So when he's asleep, he actually sees clearly the recipient of the poem, in his dreams, shining there, emitting light. Then thou, whose shadow shadows doth make bright, how would thy shadow's form form happy show to the clear day with thy much clearer light, when to unseeing eyes thy shade shines so? Now that's quite a long section, but I think this is all one thought, really. Which I think means, given that you're so bright, your shadowy figure is so bright in the darkness in my dreams, how bright would you appear in the light of day? You'd be so much clearer. How would, I say, mine eyes be blessed made by looking on thee in the living day, when in dead night Thy fair imperfect shade through heavy sleep on sightless eyes doth stay. And this, I believe, is a similar meaning to the first section, but he's wording it in a different way and expanding on it. He's saying, God, how amazing it would be to see you in the light of day and how bright you would be, given that in my dreams you shine so brightly. So it would be incredible to be able to see you in the day. So I think it's becoming apparent that he is not around his his love or the recipient of the poem here. He's away from this person. And the only way he is able to see his love at the moment is in his dreams. 
and he wishes that he could see his love in the daylight. And now we're on to the final couplet. All days are nights to see till I see thee, and nights bright days when dreams do show thee me. And actually, I really do like this final couplet. I think it's very beautiful, actually, and is better than the rest of the sonnet. You know, in a way, I just like the final couplet for this one. So if Sonnet 43 was just that final couplet, I'd go great. Obviously, it wouldn't be a sonnet then because it wouldn't have the right amount of lines. And here he's saying every day is dark as night until I get to see you again. And every night is as bright as day when I see you in my dreams, which is quite beautiful. So well done there, Shakespeare. You sort of saved it at the end. I was really worried about this one because you're sort of going over the same thing. And I know it's meant to be one of your sort of more beautiful ones and more loving and it's about longing. But for me, I was a bit lost in the middle there. And thank God for that final couplet. Am I right? There's probably some people listening to this going, oh, you're just not getting it. You don't get it. It's really beautiful. You're just an idiot. And so be it. All right. I'll take on your criticism of me for calling me an idiot. That's fine. I'm putting it out there. I don't think this is one of his best. But if we link this in with the previous three sonnets, it seems like there's been this big love triangle and affair that's happened. And Shakespeare has taken himself away, maybe, or his mistress and and the recipient of the poems have taken themselves off and they're apart now. And here he's going, oh, I still, I still love you. And I, and I dream about you, despite all the the affair stuff that's happened and all the cheating, I still think about you and, and in my dreams you're, you're this bright light and I wish that in the daylight I would be able to see you, but he can't. So he's in a bit of turmoil here and I wonder where he is. I like to think of him sort of in the countryside, in a little cottage, like in our story which we're about to continue. He's in John Donne's cottage, isn't he? And I think that works for this. I'm a bit of an oracle here because I I predicted that he was going to be apart from his lover and his mistress. So I think it's about time to put it to our bloody story, don't you reckon? And let's quickly recap what's happened in the last few episodes. So obviously there's been this love triangle um, between Shakespeare, John Donne, the writer, and Shakespeare's ex-wife slash wife slash it's a bit murky waters really and John Donne and Shakespeare's mistress have obviously been sleeping together and they've said look you go away Shakespeare have a bit of time to yourself this is all a bit messy and Shakespeare has gone to John Donne's holiday home to sort of muse things over and decompress and think about his next moves Meanwhile, John Donne and and Shakespeare's mistress are probably still together. Are they still sleeping together while Shakespeare's off in John Donne's holiday home? I don't know. Wouldn't be great if they were, but at the same time, they don't really owe Shakespeare anything anyway. And we left off. Shakespeare's cat, Percutio, had just 
travelled for days from John Donne's holiday cottage to London to deliver Sonnet 42 that Shakespeare had written, saying, look, I'm disappointed, obviously, but I still love you, to John Donne. And he's turned up at the doorstep and John Donne has has taken the sonnet in his hands and shooed Percutio away, who's on the brink of death, let's be honest. He's not looking well. He hasn't eaten. He's been travelling for days, poor bastard. Let's find out what happens next. John Donne finishes reading Sonnet 42. Shakespeare's mistress cools down. She said, what is it, John? John Donne says, oh, nothing, just some advertisement about a new pizza company. And he screws up Sonnet 42 and throws it in the fire. He thinks, I'm done with Shakespeare. I'm done with all this drama. I know he still loves me, but I don't think I feel the same way. And also, I'm sick of all these sonnets. If he wants to speak to me, come and speak to me. Don't write me a bloody sonnet. Meanwhile, Percutio, out on the streets, is dragging himself back to Shakespeare. Luckily, on his way, an old merchant gave him a saucer of milk and a couple of strokes to keep his morale up. He's travelled for days at this point and eventually gets back to Shakespeare, a skinny wreck. Shakespeare sees Percutio and says, Bloody hell, you look awful. What's happened? Percutio looks up at him as if to say, Well, you sent me out travelling for days instead of your bloody horse, Hooflet. And obviously I didn't have any food or anything. And Shakespeare said, Mmm, God, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have sent Hooflet out, shouldn't I? That was silly to send you. And I thought John Dunn would probably give you a bit of food, but turns out he hasn't. So that's not very nice of him. Anyway, come on in. Come on in. I imagine John Dunn has written me a lovely letter back to my sonnet. Percutio looks up at him again. And Shakespeare says, well, where's the letter? Bring it out. Come on. And Percutio slowly blinks, looks down stretches his paws out awkwardly there's a silence Shakespeare sighs and thinks it can't be over between us I still love this man despite everything that's happened I dream about him every night I need to see him but I can't it's too painful he clearly doesn't love me and he thinks Well, of course, I must write a sonnet explaining this. I can't just let this go. So he goes into the little writing room in John Donne's holiday cottage and writes Sonnet 43. He folds it up and this time goes out to his horse, Hooflet, for he will get Hooflet to deliver the sonnet to John Donne. He slaps Hooflet on the arse and says, Away with you, to John Donne's house. Now, Hooflet is quite new to Shakespeare and he doesn't really know the way to John Donne's house. But off he goes, trotting along merrily. And eventually, a couple of days later, he arrives in London and he thinks, ah, yes, I remember exactly where John Donne's house is. And he trots along, ready to deliver the sonnet. 
he gets to the front door of what he thinks is John Dunn's house. He has a smile on his face. He's happy he's finally arrived at John Dunn's abode. The door opens and standing there in his garters is Ben Johnson. Hooflet, of course, has mistaken Ben Johnson's house for John Dunn's house. But he's not to know this. And with his hoof, hands over. Sonnet 43 to the wrong recipient, Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson says, Ah, a letter from my dear friend Shakespeare. I thought he was annoyed at me because obviously I had a bit of an affair with with John Dunn, but it seems like he still wants to message me. Let's have a little read, shall we? And he clears his throat and for some reason reads out loud. Sonnet 43 When I'm asleep, my eyes work best, because in the day they look at things I don't give a shit about. When I sleep, in my dreams my eyes see you, bright in the darkness. Given how brightly you shine when I'm asleep, imagine how the real you would look in the daytime. Bloody bright, that's for sure. How happy I'd be to look on you during the day, given that in the darkness of night your beautiful shadow imprints itself on me. Every day is as dark as night until I see you again. But every night is as bright as day when I see you in my dreams. Wow, wow, wow. Hooflit has really made a big mistake there. And this could prove costly to Shakespeare, to Ben Jonson and to John Donne. What on earth will happen next? Find out next week on the final couplet. Bye.